Hello and welcome again to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're really pleased that you've been able to join us for the program. Because it's not about the church, it's about the God we worship. And Jeremiah did not lose sight of that. You know the saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Well, names can hurt, at least for a time. Jeremiah was called all sorts of names by his accusers as they mocked him. But God was on Jeremiah's team and God vindicated him. Dr. Corbett is in Jeremiah chapter 20. His topic tonight, Mac or Mizabib, it's a terrible name. And I want people to know Jesus because if they don't, they go to a Christless eternity. And there's a way of spelling that. And the way to spell it is damnation. <laughs> and we don't like using that kind of language. But this is the language Jesus used. We read John 3.16. We love it. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. Fantastic. But what about the next verse? The next verse says if you don't you'll be condemned for eternity. I don't see anybody waving John 3.17 placards around. (laughs) There's no clothing brand that says 3.17. Matthew 21, 44, Jesus said, unless you fall upon my life and break open your life, I'll fall upon you and I'll grind you to dust. Have a nice day. You don't see people sort of, that's my favorite verse. You see, there's a price to pay when you come to Christ. He takes whatever your identity was and he gets rid of it. He does away with it and he gives you the identity you were born to have. Some of you have had identity spoken over you by your parents, by teachers, by peers, by your own self-talk that says, I'm a loser, I'm always hopeless, I'm trash, I'm cheap. Man, people just treat me like dirt because I probably am. That's an identity that you are shaping in your life. And we're going to have a look at some of this in the life of Jeremiah. Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, speak to us now. Help us to hear your voice through your word. Oh God, there are people here who need healing. And as your word is preached, I pray that you would confirm the word with signs and wonders. Let there be miracles taking place right now. People who have back complaints, healed. People who have joint issues, healed. People who have pain, right now, healed as the word of God is ministered. A miraculous, supernatural, Holy Spirit activity taking place in people's lives. Now, Lord, help us to hear what you said through Jeremiah, what you said to Jeremiah. And the message that Jeremiah has for us today, in the name of Jesus, amen. Please turn to Jeremiah chapter 20. Magal Misabib is a terrible name. We're reading from Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 1. Now Pashur, the priest, the son of Imma, who was the chief officer in the house of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things. I want you to notice something here in these these first two verses and it's 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 already come out in the first verse and i've preambled it and i want you to get this the opening few words of this verse say this now pasha the priest that's an identity statement here's this statement i want to make notice this pasha the priest he had an identity he was pasha the priest but that wasn't what he actually did because it says he was the chief officer in the house of the Lord. In the, in the house of the Lord, the temple, there were priests that ministered in music. There were priests that ministered in offering animals for sacrifice. 
Pasha the priest was the chief officer. His job was to look after the temple police. He was identified as a priest, but he actually functioned in a, in a completely different way. And it says in that opening verse, he heard Jeremiah prophesying. I want you to notice that. He heard Jeremiah prophesying. He saw an identity in Jeremiah. I want you to notice this also. Jeremiah was a priest. But after about chapter 2 or 3, he's not identified as a priest. He's identified by the next verse. And I want, I want you to see this because Jeremiah, the priest, was born to be a prophet. And sometimes people are born on the wrong side of the tracks. They're born to parents they wouldn't have chosen. They're born into a neighbourhood that's going to be bad. They're born into circumstances that are unfavourable. They are born into very negative things. They are born in a certain way. And I want you to hear me loud and clear. That may not and almost certainly is not who you really are. That's not your identity. Jeremiah was born a priest, but his identity was to be a prophet. So we read the next verse. Then Pashur beat Jeremiah, notice the identity statement, the prophet, and put him in the stocks that were in the upper Benjamin gate of the house of the Lord. Pretty bad, you know, Pashur and Jeremiah, because they were priests, it automatically, if you understand how this works, you understand that only a certain tribe of Israel could become priests, only certain clans within that tribe, the Aaronites, could become priests and and then within that there's only certain of those that could actually minister in the temple and they both did that means these guys are cousins this is a cousin treating another cousin like this and 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 if it sounds like you know no big deal put him in stocks yeah whatever let me just briefly tell you what that means that means that there was a an iron ring attached to the thing that they would fasten your hand to and they would fasten your hand there and it was meant to be uncomfortable there would be iron rings on the floor where your feet would go into and clocked in and then they deliberately had the iron ring around the neck offset from where your neck most naturally was that's stocks that's cruel that's humiliating and that's what this guy did to jeremiah If I had the time, I would talk about people who give up on church because they feel someone in the church has abused them. And that is completely missing the point. Because it's not about the church, it's about the God we worship. And Jeremiah did not lose sight of that. There is someone in the church, a chief officer in the church, mistreating him, so to speak. And he doesn't give up on God. Now, something very interesting is about to happen here. Jeremiah is about to be released. And before we look at what happens, I need you to understand this, that biblically, a person's name described their identity. See, when Esau and Jacob were born, you remember that, that Esau actually came out first, but Jacob's hand or foot came out before. Before, as Esau was coming out, I'm going to win, I'm going to win, I'm going to win. Jacob went, I win. Remember that? That's what it says. And they tied a, a ribbon around around his limb to go, well, he actually technically popped out first. Yeah, I won. <laughs> and that marked his life. He cheated. He, he was someone who didn't play fair. And so he was given the name, one who cheats often. His name was Jacob. One who cheats often, Jacob. 
And you know, we, we read on in, in Genesis that one day Jacob wrestled with God. And as a result of that wrestling, God snapped something in here, a tendon in here. And from that day on, Jacob walked like this. It says he walked with a limp from that day on. But from that day on, he, and you get the fight that was going on here. He tried to, he tried to, you know, here's a guy who's cheated all his life. And he's wrestling God. Tell me how you cheat. <laughs> and he's trying to cheat. And so he's, he's going, well, if I could just delay the fight. Imagine God, I wrestle with my, with my kids. Uh, in fact, I asked Ruby this morning, tell me the three most favorite things that you like doing. One was getting hugs from mum. One was playing with dad's iPad. And the third was fighting with dad. And you might hear that and not understand the context, but we wrestle on the floor and I want her to understand that a man can hold his strength and a man is not meant to be harsh or abusive. A man can play and not be hurtful. I want her to get that. And so that's what she means by fighting. Please do not report me to anybody. (laughs) Just understand that's where we're going with this. And I wonder if God was doing something like that with Jacob. It says they fought all night. And there they are fighting. And eventually it says God saw that Jacob wasn't going to give up. And so he just went, ah, look, we've been going all night. Twing. Ow! Okay, you have fought and you have tried to overcome. And now, with my help, you will be an overcomer. How can I be an overcomer now? I've got a permanent injury. Uh huh. <laughs> I will call you the one who overcomes with God, Israel. El, hear that in the Bible? Means God. One who overcomes with God, Israel. And he got a new identity, Jacob. A new identity. The name Jacob became known as somebody who drew on God's help, who began to overcome with God's help. And so a name in the Bible means something. You know the name Jesus means something? It means saviour. That is actually what the name means. Yeshua, saviour. That's what it means. Names in the Bible mean something. So let's read the next verse. The next day when Pashur released Jeremiah from the stocks, Jeremiah said to him, Oh, now by the way, I don't know how you draw close to God. The way I draw close to God is I get up before anybody else in my house. I grab my Bible, which is now on my iPad, which is really handy for the time that I get up in the morning because my eyes don't get up at the same time as my body gets up. And, and I used to find that, that my eyes weren't joining the, the Bible reading program because I was kind of doing, I know there's text there somewhere. So now my iPad gets with the program and just lights up and it's there. And anyway, I digress. But in the morning, I get up before everyone else. I grab my Bible. I go to a quiet place and I, and I read and I think and, and I'm meeting with God. Here's Jeremiah in stocks. And I've briefly described to you what that would have been like. How would that circumstance have enhanced your relationship, your fellowship with God. For most of us, you want to know what my prayer life would have sounded like if that was what I was in for three days? No. Oh, okay. Okay. But it wouldn't have sounded pretty. It just would have sounded like very similar to what my non-stock 
prayer life sounds like, which is just a whole bunch of complaints and how this is, an un- this is unfair and how I deserve more. And you imagine being in, in a prison like that and, and, and how you would have gone cold and hardened in your relationship with God. But Jeremiah didn't because he comes out and he says, this is what I have had God say to me while I've been there. What? You are in the most adverse circumstances and you are pressing into God? I have discovered this, and I'm not trying to stand here as a spiritual giant at all, but this is one thing I've discovered on this journey. It's when circumstances are adverse that you need to press into God more intensely. Jeremiah did. He comes out of the stocks, out of the prison. Pashur releases him. There's Pashur expecting Jeremiah to go, I'm so sorry, I'll never do that again. Please don't throw me in there again. I guess is what Pashur was expecting. Instead, he gets this. The Lord does not call your name Pashur, but Magor Misabib. And the English translators have done us the justice of not rendering it Magor Misabib, which is actually what he said to him. But the meaning, terror on every side, which is why all you Hebrew scholars would have immediately picked up the sermon title. Magor Misabib is a terrible name. Oh, he's using pun. Look at that. Magor Misabib actually means terrible. Uh, he's terrible. He's, that's funny. Um, that's all the Hebrew scholars would have got that just like that. Apart from Bob, I didn't see anybody laughing, so that tells me a lot about our level of Hebrew appreciation. But anyway, God uses names to identify. Here's here's Jeremiah going, your name's no longer Pasha, which means peace and security all around. Peace and security all around. He says, that's not your name. Your parents gave you that name, but that's not your name. Your name is Magor Misabib. Terror. On every side. See, God uses names to identify character. Jacob, the cheater, cheating was a part of his character. Then God broke him and he became someone who learned how to become dependent on God. And his name became Israel. We see God uses names. He changes names for people so that their their name reflects their character. You shall call the child we have examples where you shall, you shall call his name Solomon. You shall call him Moses. You shall call him Samson. Where God actually says, no, no, whatever you're going to name him, don't. Name him this. And it's a reflection of who that child actually was, their character. So names identify character. You might be interested to know that the name Andrew means manly. You may have been called names in your time. And those names can shape you. The young girl that gets abused and gets told by her abuser, you're nothing but a cheap tart. Those names shape that girl. The young boy that gets beaten up and gets called a pansy. Names shape people's character people who are called losers it can work the other way too people who are highly successful are often people who are excessively driven by a hurt 
You may have been called names and they may have shaped you. When you come to Christ, you take on his name. Colossians 3.17 says this. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God through the Father, through him. When you come to Christ, you take on his name. You bear his name. The apostles said that when they suffered, they suffered for the name of Jesus. When they healed the sick, they healed in the name of Jesus. Some people don't like to end their prayers with the expression, in the name of Jesus. I do. And some people say, well, Jesus didn't tell us to pray that way. I don't care. It helps me to remind myself that everything I do, everything I pray is in the name of Jesus. When you come to Christ, you, you take on his name. It says in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and, and verse 12, and you may want to just turn to that or write that down. It says this, um, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of God and the Lord Jesus. You see, when you take on a name, it's, it's when I married Kim, Kim was, was keen to tell me this, this is how marriage works. I needed some lessons apparently. And this is, she said, this is the way it works. Everything you have, she said to me, is now mine. And everything I have is still mine. So in case you're wondering how marriage works, that's how it works. The consolation in that is that when we got married, Kim took on my name. She became Mrs. Kim Corbett. In fact, in some, in some very formal settings, she became referred to as Mrs. Andrew Corbett. It's an old way of doing it. You don't hear it much these days. But she actually took on my name. You know, when you come to Christ, you become known as belonging to Jesus Christ. Your, his name is what identifies you now. Wow. But not only that. When you come to Christ, he gives you a new name, a new name. Your name may be a horrible name. And I don't mean the name that your parents put on the birth certificate. I mean that all the names that, I, that you use to identify yourself, all those things where you go, well, that always happens to me. I always end up with the loser. I always am the loser. I'm, all, I'm no good. People treat me like I'm dirt because probably I am. Those are names that you've given yourself. Those are names that have shaped your identity. And when you come to Christ, those things go. You are born again. The old man dies, 2 Corinthians 5.17. You become a new creation with a new name. A new name. Revelation chapter 2, the last thing that Jesus said in Scripture to the church was this. He who has an ear, let him hear. That's an interesting point. That what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who conquers, hear it? To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna and I will give him a white stone. Now, just let me just back up on this. It was believed 
around in the early days of Jeremiah that not only was the law discovered, that the Ark of the Covenant was discovered. And King Josiah actually had hidden it in the temple. This was the rumour. True or not, don't know. But it was a rumour that became a part of the folklore of Israel. And that in that Ark there was hidden manna. And in, in, in that ark, the box, was also some stones, the, the, the stones that God wrote the law on. And, and here we have something that, that Jesus is referring to became a legal practice. You would go to court, you would go charged as a culprit, and the judge would hear your case. And, and before the, you know, no PA systems, so they would hold up either a black stone, guilty as charged, or they would hold up a white stone, innocent, forgiven, released and free. And Jesus says, you give your life to me, you follow after me, I will give you some of this manna which speaks of the bread, the sustaining strength of God. I will sustain you and I will give you a white stone, innocent, clean, forgiven, free, not guilty. And not only will I hold it up, I'll give it to you. And if you turn it on the other side, on the other side will be written a new name. I will give you a new name. I don't know what my name in heaven will be. But what a day that when I'm going to find out. You may be called all kinds of names and you've identified with it. It's not who you are. God has got a new name for you. You may have thought, well, I've failed. I've sinned. I've blown it. I have, I, I slept with someone before I got married. I stepped over the line when I was married. I'm just bound to be useless all my life. No, you're not. You can receive a white stone and be forgiven and get a new identity. A new identity with a new name written on that stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Come back with me to Jeremiah 20. We see Jeremiah saying this to Pashur, your name will now be Magal Misabib. We read in verse 4, For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends. They shall fall by the sword of their enemies while you look on. And I will give all Judah into the hand of the king of Babylon. He shall carry them captive to Babylon and shall strike them down with the sword. I'll give the wealth of this city and all its gains, all its prized belongings, all the treasures of the kings of Judah into the hand of their enemies who shall plunder them and seize them and carry them off to Babylon. And you, Pashur, and all who dwell in your house shall go into captivity. To Babylon you shall go and you shall die. And there you shall be buried, you and all your friends to whom you have prophesied falsely. Everything Jeremiah said of Pashur was fulfilled. Everything. It was fulfilled. What a tragedy. Pashur had been listening to Jeremiah and he was upset about what he heard Jeremiah saying. But what was Jeremiah saying? Stop sinning. Repent. Call upon the Lord for forgiveness. Come back to God. And for that message, Pashur was upset. And I guess that just goes to show that if your heart is that hard, you're going to hear something that's going to save your life as something that's going to ruin your life. That is hard. And you may be hearing me today thinking, this is religious. I don't want to be religious. I'm not talking about being religious. 
I'm talking about being normal. And for most people, they're average. Don't be average. Be normal. Normal means the way it was meant to be. What God says about you should be the most defining thing in your life. And if God says to you, you are an overcomer. You are victorious. You are a new creation. That should be the thing that defines you. Not what others say. What God says. Here's my closing thought as we consider the clash of Jeremiah with Pasha, Magal Mizabib. It's this. Don't define your identity by your past. Well, that's, that's what I've always done. That's who I've always been. That's how it's always gone for me. Don't define your identity by your mistakes. Well, I always botch it up. Last time I tried that, I failed. I must be a failure. Don't define your life by your critics. Don't define your life, your identity, by what your enemy says about you. God's saying something else. And today, maybe you've never given your life to God. You've never come to God and said, God, I've never surrendered to you. I need to do that. Would you pray with me, please? Eyes closed, heads bowed. For some people right now, this is going to mark a very big new beginning. This is going to mark an entire change of life course direction. What we are about to do could impact you for eternity as well as the rest of your life. I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer from your heart, a prayer that says, God, I need to be forgiven. I need a new identity from you. The life I have lived to this point is not the life I want to keep living. Please forgive me of my sin. If that's the cry of your heart, then pray this prayer. Father God, please forgive me of my sin and come into my life and help me to live for you, I pray. Amen. You pray a prayer like that, your life will change for eternity. I want to pray one more prayer, but let me say, if that's a prayer you've prayed, please come and talk with me before you go. I want to help you. Father, I pray for everyone else here that we, Lord, would be a people who look to you for our identity. We would be a people that look to you for what you would have us do, for who you would have us be, for the character you would have formed in our life. Father, for those difficult circumstances, whether they be economic, whether they be relational, whether they be stress, whether they be those things that require us to overcome. I pray, Lord, for everyone listening to me right now who's holding you by your hand, I pray that you would give them that hidden manner, give them that strength to overcome their difficulties. I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. The Hebrews' names were very significant. Magor Mizabib is a terrible name, but we needn't be characterised by a name. God can vindicate us. More from Dr. Corbett next week. 
Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Magor Mizabib is a Terrible Name, they're available via the website, findingtruthmatters.org, or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. Dr Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to having you join us again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.